1: Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Death, Sex and Dumb Women. It's nice being 10 because we can tie our laces, but we don't have to have periods yet. Let's stay 10 forever. I'm your hostwoman, Hannah Varrell, and when I was 10, I would only wear blue clothes. Like a little wave walking around. <laughs> I'm joined today by two-time
2: Pony Club graduate, Caroline O'Donoghue. I actually won Best Brush at the age of 10, which is a prodigiously young age to be good at holding a brush near a horse.
1: And had her first relationship at age
3: 10, Alexandra Haddo. He's now a bodybuilder with three kids, and we dated for a week, and he asked me out by asking me to tick a box saying yes or no.
1: This week we're studying biology, history and whatever subject stamps are. They travel, I guess, so geography.
3: Yeah. But they are by the Royal Mail and I thought we weren't allowed any mails on this podcast. We'll have to consult the board. Yeah.
1: So we had a great question in uh, from Disclaimer My Friend, Ruthie Pritchard, about how on earth stamps work. Ruth said, I went to another country and I bought stamps in that country to send the postcard to this country... So why did that country get my money and this country didn't,
3: but they still delivered it? How does that work? I think Nigel Farage will be very annoyed to hear about this Mm -hmm. when he does, inevitably.
1: So it is a really, really great question, actually. If I buy a stamp from, say, France, I pay for French stamps in euros. But then when it gets to the UK, there aren't any Royal Mail stamps on it. So why do they have to deliver it? It doesn't seem fair. Yeah, who's getting paid? Who's getting paid, exactly? Um, and then also, as well, some countries are much bigger than others. So, like, if I send a postcard to Australia, it's going to take a lot more to get it, like, across to wherever it's going. Yeah, but it costs more, doesn't it? Right? Because we're far away.
3: Yeah. So but not because Australia is big. Who's getting that cash? No, uh, Exactly. Tell yeah. who's not getting it? The NHS.
1: <sighs> disgrace.
3: I will be playing the role disgrace. of a middle-aged bigot with no <laughs> photo on his Twitter profile for this segment. Um, so I looked into it for you, Ruth. You'll be pleased to know.
1: And it turns out up until 1969, nice, um, countries literally just assumed that the amount of posts they sent abroad was equal to the amount of posts that others sent to them.
3: Ah. So they were just
1: kind of had a bit of a trust system where they were like, yeah, I'll, I'll shout you a beer. You'll get me a beer next time. We don't actually keep tabs, but we'll kind of generally buy That's each other beers. That's very stupid. Yeah. Oh, it's right? nice though. It's a simpler time, you know. Okay. But also think about how much fan mail people sent to the Beatles.
3: <gasps> mm. that is so no, true Of course, Liverpool postal office got absolutely shafted in yeah, the 60s Ringo
1: Starr had to stop replying to them didn't he did he yeah
3: after but, a while though I'd say
1: yeah in <laughs> the 70s
3: <laughs> how old are
1: you please send
3: photos the classic, classic Simpsons moment
2: episode in the yeah. Simpsons you know when
1: Marge gets a reply 30 years later in England we call them chips <laughs> Yeah, so then what happened in 1969 was they realised they should probably develop an actual system. So the Universal Postal Union, who look after the International Post, um, decided on a new system where you would actually count how many pieces of post went into and out of a country and uh, measure how much they weighed and everything. And that's how they do it now. And then when there's a discrepancy, they'll kind of pay the difference to each other. I approve of the trust system. Yeah. Back to the trust system okay. as well. The trust system makes much more
2: sense now because for a while people were like going to France and Spain and stuff and sending postcards back. So I imagine it was uneven. Now, no one sends postcards. I imagine we're back to an even keel. Yeah. yeah?
1: What, so you think French people come to the UK and send postcards back to France? No, I'm saying nobody's sending postcards oh, anymore
2: right. at all. Like, British people used to go to France and send a postcard. I assume French people didn't do that because they're too cool. Mm. And I imagine there was a quite big discrepancy in uh, who's receiving as opposed to who's sending.
3: Yeah. I mean, what do you, as a as a muggle, what do you use a stamp for these days? A stamp. Not like, oh, I'm posting my ASOS thing back with the, you know, a bit of paper that's bigger than your head. <laughs> Like, what do you use a stamp for? I haven't sent a piece of post, really, uh, in
2: probably years. Well, I'm a disgusting immigrant, so I send posts every now and then. I mean, it'll have to—it'll take a lot. Like, I'd have to remember one of my parents' birthday exactly a month beforehand. Yeah, <laughs> i tell that's you, like, how long it takes. the odd birthday
3: know. card. But usually I'm seeing the person, so... Yeah. But I, if any listeners are listening, which hopefully they are, they're not, you know, watching... Mm-hmm. If there's any listeners out there that want to send me any post, I really love getting post. Yeah, there's no fun post anymore, is no, there? Yeah. No. So, um, yeah, do um, well. You're gonna have to DM us first and get an address, yeah. Such as the. Modern we'll have world. to bet you
1: first. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm.
3: So the Universal Postal Union, which is the
1: company that brought in the new system, was established in 1874, and it was the first thing that kind of allowed people to send post internationally without having to send it to, like... Your cousin's friend in Germany, who then can put it in the post in Germany again for you and then send it on to someone else. Or, like, you know, oh, I'll send it to my aunt in Dover. Sure. And then her, you know, husband's cousin's friend. Her team of underground elves will send it to Paris. Yes. And he
3: can bring it. And yeah. Don't you think that it's really. I know that obviously I'm romanticising something that wasn't very nice, but it's so romantic when you think about you know, men writing to their sweethearts when they're away, away at war. Now yeah. it'd just be like, Oh, look at all these screenshots of the texts they me.
2: <laughs> But it's depressing, isn't Looking it? Yeah. Two
1: kisses and that's when I knew. Yeah. 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 So until the postage stamp was introduced in Britain in eighteen forty, the recipient used to have to pay shipping. Can you imagine? You send you send something to someone And they didn't even know what it was, or if it said anything good. If it was like, oh, I'm going to break up with you, and you'd pay for that letter and then open it and be like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that.
2: Yeah, but it'd be more like, I'm ending our engagement, for I am promised to another.
1: (laughs) Our courtship (laughs) must come to an end. My (laughs) nan used to say that. Who you caught in hen? Um, And yeah, so lots of unclaimed mail used to pile up at post offices. Well, I'm not surprised. It's like when you get a text on holiday
3: now, and it it costs you to receive it. Well, not anymore, but before. I think that's just... Just changed with the EU regulations, so we'll have to pay that again in a couple of months. Cheers, Farage. How would a postcard, if you wrote a
1: postcard in Chinese, how would it get to the correct address in the UK?
3: Oh, they have special post translator goblins. They do.
1: Yay. Uh, This is from, uh, someone asked that question on Quora. Uh, and someone who used to work in the US Postal Service answered and said they would probably get routed to a central post office where somebody can read it and figure out the destination. So there you go. Nice.
3: Fun yeah. fact. You know, when you move into, as I'm sure a lot of the listeners live in, a rented property um, and you get mail for people that, you know, used to live there. Mm-hmm. I always open it. Often eons ago. Mm-hmm. It's not illegal to throw it away, but it is illegal to open it. So, well, you are me a, a criminal. <laughs> you are a it. felon. Does it say anything good? Never.
1: No. no, it's always depressing. You always just find out how much debt people are avoiding. I have another question about post more generally, which um, I wanted to research. Ruth didn't ask this, but I want to know. Why does the post office do everything? How can they be doing post, but then also banking and the internet as well? In my old flat, the internet was given to us by the post office.
3: Was it? What? Are they Are trying to modernise? Well, I researched this. Do Alex. you remember when they tried to modernise a few years ago and they changed their name to Consignia for like two days? What? And then it changed back to Royal Mail. What? No one remembers it. Yeah, it's no, like, it's like it apple fruits. Maybe I just had a trip. Maybe it was just
1: all the dream. <laughs> a dream—a wonderful postage dream. Hmm. Yeah, so I sort of have an answer for this. Um, going back even further, the GPO, which is the General Post Office, was invented in 1660 by Charles II. Uh, it was called the Royal Mail because it was built on the distribution system for royal and government documents. Um, and originally it had a monopoly, so it covered the dispatch of all items from a specific sender to a specific receiver. So it's basically like, yep, yeah, communication, that's our thing. There's only one way to communicate. We own that. Fine. Um, and then when telegraphs are invented they decided that technically they owned the license for telegraphs because it was like communication still. And so they were like, yeah, we'll license the telegraphs because people are talking to each other and that's our thing. Yeah. Um, huh. And then when telephones started being used... That's our thing too. They were like, like that's communication, that's our thing. And then the same with radio and the same with TV. Fuck off, post I know. office. And have you seen The Boat That Rocked? Yeah. It's yeah. the post office that shut down the pirate radio <gasps> stations. Think you're so friendly, post office. How dare
3: they put Bill Nye in his crushed purple velvet suit out of work?
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. My last question that I wanted to answer for Ruth, but also for myself uh, this week, was why do people like collecting stamps? Mm. Why do they care about it? And I've decided I didn't consult the internet. I just decided it was because they're sticky. Oh, people like stickers, and they've got different colours and patterns and
3: bigoes. They're
1: pretty.
2: They're pretty
3: stickers. I think it's because they're not having regular sex.
2: Sure, yeah, also a good theory. I have two questions. If you can't answer them, feel free to edit them out to yep. make yourself seem smart. Um, first question, I uh, heard a rumour that if you want to copyright something cheaply, you put your idea into a envelope and you mail it to yourself because Royal Mail will stamp that and then that shows that was your idea if you date it. Wow.
1: Wow. I'd,
2: I've also heard people say that this isn't a thing, but it was like definitely a rumour.
1: I like the idea.
2: It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I think it's cool. But you don't have any info on that. I have no info on that. Fine. None. Let
3: us take it as gospel.
2: Yes. Second question. Um, I've also heard about people who hate the Queen putting the stamp on upside down. Is that a thing?
1: I have not heard of that either. But uh, someone asked on, I think, Reddit, does it matter if you put the stamp in the top left hand corner or the top right hand corner or the bottom corner? Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone was just saying, do you know what? It doesn't actually really matter. Yeah, no anyway. one's going to like. You could put post it in the middle it. if you wanted to. Yeah.
2: Fuck just needs a stamp and an address. I know, but people like rules, don't they? Yeah. But yeah, if the post office control everything, then how come they're so shit? Yeah, I have no idea. They're how have just they held on to that
1: power? Or have they? Inherited wealth. So that's post. All right. Good thanks. job on post. Yeah. I liked it. So before we start the next lesson this week, I think we do need to address the elephant in the room. Um, you'll have noticed that we're on episode 10 now and we don't have a sponsor yet. Um, What the fuck? But a smart woman once said, fake it till you make it. So with that in mind... Hannah,
2: can I just stop this podcast and say your feet look amazing today. Where do you get such excellent footwear? Thanks, Caroline. Today I'm wearing my new glues. Well, they look amazing and they must be expensive. But
3: also, what are glues? This podcast is brought to you by glues. Gluten-free shoes for modern, socially conscious women. If you've ever had that bloated feeling, but in your feet, then glues are the shoes for you. We've removed all the pasta from normal shoes and we've created a new streamlined footwear brand that you can bore your friends with and show off on your shoe rack without feeling mortified that you wear items literally full of gluten. Cruelty-free, duty-free, one-two free, -free, and now gluten-free.
2: So if you want a pair of glues, just go to glues.com forward slash offer forward slash pod and enter the offer code women for your 10% off discount.
1: I'm glad we got that out of the way. I feel more legit now. I know. Yeah, I can just feel the money rushing into yeah. our imaginary product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Alex, you're doing a
3: biology segment this week. Can you tell us more? I am doing a biology segment. Thank you very much for asking. Now you'll notice how throughout this podcast I have not had any interruptions when I've been speaking apart from you two. But what could interrupt my speech? Hiccups. That's uh, what. And that's uh. what my smart lesson is about today, guys. Now, hiccups are a modern mystery which you'd think they would know exactly what they are, but there's only like one sort of main consensus, but a lot of the sources that I consulted still said we don't actually we don't have any anything conclusive enough. To prove that this is actually the reason for them. Either one
1: gets hiccups. Yeah, Everyone's had them. Everyone's annoyed by them. Everyone's annoyed by other people having them. Yes.
2: God, yes. The worst. It's like people eating on the tube. Like, fine when I do it. Like, cute when I do it. But other
3: people... And why are they so much more painful when you're drunk? I once told... (gasps) Yes! Oh... So, it ruins your night sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I remember having a bo- an argument with an ex-boyfriend because I told him, "You don't understand what it's like to be me because I had the hiccups." <laughs> oh, my goodness, and I'm not a dramatic person, but it really he didn't <laughs> uh, understand. I, oh, and it was every time it was like a, it was like a stab to the heart every time I hiccuped. It was oh, so painful, and he was like, "Oh, you'll be fine. Just drink some water." And I was like, "Piss off, John," you know, fucking John, fucking John. So. This is the sort of main theory of what hiccups are, apart from fucking irritating. Yeah. Hiccups occur when your diaphragm, brackets, the thin layer of muscle that separates your chest cavity from your abdomen, close brackets, suddenly and involuntarily contracts. Brackets, tightens. Thanks for that. I'm not that dumb. (laughs) As your diaphragm contracts, it causes you to breathe in air very quickly. The incoming air is stopped when your glottis, possibly the most disgusting sounding part of the body ever. Yeah. The opening between your vocal cords closes suddenly, producing the characteristic sound of a hiccup. So
1: your diaphragm contracts?
3: Yeah, it's almost like. And then
1: why does your throat close as well?
3: Um so I think what happens is so your diaphragm I think moves it contracts downwards. And so to and it happens so quickly that your body needs to f- fill that space. Oh, because otherwise
1: your lungs would come out of your mouth. Yeah,
3: something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then the top of your Throat realizes, oh, we don't need to take all this. We don't need to carry on at that speed of like, <gasps> you know. Yeah. So oh. so it catches it, but the bit in between is a hiccup. So it's like a pinball. Yes, almost. yes, it's like a pinball of air almost. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So If
1: you kept going, it would just you would just breathe in all the air and you would just blow up like uh, Is like that one in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Just
3: gloop. No, that's a uh, Violet Beauregard, Violet Beauregard. You know. oh, so. Thank you,
1: Caroline. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, also causes of short term hiccups when have you got hiccups can you correlate when anything? I've drunk
1: something badly which is almost every day mm. I'm just bad at yeah. manoeuvring myself
3: as a human oh that's a shame fizz oh, oh yeah is fizz the problem Well, birds, our old mostly. friend fizz our old friend fizz what's, it, what's in fizz carbon dioxide Correct. or nitrogen so, for foamy bubbles uh, bubbles oh, this. gas gas yes. so I think that's something to do so Obviously, you don't always get it when you drink something fizzy. But I got hiccups the other day for the first time in ages. And I was just like, what is this horrendousness? Because it happened when I bought a Diet Coke and I drank a tiny sip. And the hiccup was instant. And it must be something to do with the air in the drink is unbalancing the air in your body. Right.
2: I feel like I have it whenever I accidentally take an intake of breath while I'm drinking as well. That's, exa- yeah. that's exactly yeah. what it is.
3: Oh. It's, um, well, apart from uh, a lot of people were saying hiccups occur for no apparent reason. No, it doesn't because you tend to get, you don't tend to just generally be sitting there not eating or drinking anything and then you get hiccups. Mm, yeah. That never happens. Um, everyone experiences it from time to time, of course. But um, yeah, drinking alcohol, eating too quickly or breathing in when you're drinking eating spicy foods not really sure why
1: I've never had that no
3: um swallowing air for example while chewing gum which makes sense but I don't think I've ever had it whilst chewing I don't gum think I've had no. that but it's basically if you sort of ingest unexpected pockets of air <laughs> your body just starts
0: freaking out right God. And, and can
3: you scare them away from someone well that is so why has there not been more research around because <laughs> but that is that is still on a lot of websites I looked at today they kind of said, like, it can help, but I don't think a doctor would tell you that that's how you could get rid of hiccups. The main sort of... I've actually written down a lot of the funny things that people say can cure hiccups, but the the most um, effective one seems to be to try and breathe very deeply and to try and drink water and isn't that the fucking answer to oh everything guys that literally is the answer to everything like Take if you've ever
2: yeah. like picked up a women's magazine yeah. ever it's like the answer is breathing the answer yeah. is confidence the answer is water oh
3: Mila Kunis you millionaire who has a facial every two days how do you keep your skin so clear water I just, drink lots just of water. water and
0: breathing yeah thank you
3: Okay, so I've just read out all the causes for hiccups that seem quite legitimate and that we've mostly experienced, okay? Yeah. These seem quite rational. Some of the other ones, um, basically anything exciting causes hiccups. For example, chewing gum, fizzy drinks, spicy food, alcohol, smoking, a sudden change in room temperature. (laughs) A sudden change in temperature inside your stomach. Okay, well, that makes a bit more sense. Emotions such as stress, fear or excitement. What?
1: I've never been excited and then be like, <laughs> Oh, I've oh, just oh, I know, ice.
3: yeah. Um, Shit. But as you've probably heard, because it's one of those things that you do hear about every now and then on a game show or something like that, there have been cases of people, which is genuinely my nightmare, that have hiccups for years on end. Oh, yes. And they can't get out of them. And the world record holder for this, God love him is charles osborne he has the guinness medical world record for the longest attack of hiccups you're going to feel so much sympathy for this man right now so <laughs> um when do you think he started hiccupping? he was born in 1894
1: 1899 five years old 1896
3: no it was a lot later than that <laughs> it was in 1922 so oh. he was twenty eight. So he'd still... lived a
2: life as a man and known what it was like not to hiccup every day.
3: Yes. But sadly, in nineteen twenty two, Caroline, while attempting to weigh a hog before slaughtering it. <laughs> he was sure, excited, Is that the problem? He started hiccuping yeah, maybe it was the maybe it was the excitement of the hog. He started hiccuping. And he was unable to find a cure, and it, he continued hiccuping until February 1990. <gasps> a total of 68 years.
2: No. Can I just suggest something here? Right? I'm not saying that I'm devaluing Charles' experience. Okay. But, you okay. Like you gonna. So what, what year was it again? When he started? Yeah.
3: 1922.
2: So, the Great Depression. So, he's weighing a hog for a slaughter. Mm. He's down to his last hog. He's shitting himself. He's shitting himself. His family have got no food. He's like, "What can I do to save my family? I'll become the famous hiccuping guy."
3: Maybe that's it, but it's Whoa. a lot to keep up. I mean, try and do a fake hiccup now. Well, he's a very <laughs> dedicated man. That oh, was bad, wasn't it? <laughs> well, actually, yeah, you can't. It's fake fucking it. easy. You fuck off, Charles. You're <laughs> dedicated to it. It's it's about as hard as becoming a ninja, and people did that. So. Yeah. Okay, so what are the what are the common things that you're told when you've got hiccups that get rid of hiccups? Okay, so
1: scare them, scare them off. We've already said that. Yeah, uh, drink a glass of water when you're upside
3: down. Yeah, apparently that can actually help. But actually, what I think it is, it distracts your mind very temporarily. Oh. Mm. it's a bit of a placebo effect, but it does work. And I've I've tried it. My so. cousin
2: does this thing where she drinks um, a, gla- a glass of water, but she puts a like, a knife or a fork or a spoon inside the water and she tries to balance it on her nose. Yeah, so I think, I it's, think same it's, like, thing. about
3: distracting your mind because once you focus on hiccups, sometimes they can Persist. start to feel like they're getting closer and closer together and you're like, maybe my life is just one giant hiccup now. Um, yeah, and also the other one that I'm always told is to hold your breath. Right? Yeah. Which apparently can work. But basically, I think nobody knows anything about hiccups. We're all just floundering around.
1: Scientists can, like... Literally dissect our DNA and take diseases yeah. out. But the common
3: cold and hiccups. But they can't work out what
1: hiccups
2: Maybe, hiccup maybe hiccups aren't really the glory subject in science. Do you know what I mean? You want to go for like heart disease, don't you? You want to cure the big problems. Maybe they're just not enough people working just on hiccups.
3: Yeah, like what's Johnson writing his dissertation on? Fucking yeah. hiccups. Loser. So basically, if you have long-term hiccups, it's actually caused by the vagus nerve, which is in your ear. You sort
1: of vagus.
3: No, that's a vagina. Hannah. That's a cream for your vagina. <laughs> and my sister's a paramedic. I think it is the vagus nerve, no? I uh, know, I'm just I was trying to make a joke but it wasn't funny. Oh, because I think the vagus nerve actually goes from all the way down your body and it in men, it's in their willy. So you can make a joke about Vegas shagging Vegas. Vegas nerve. Vegas stays yeah. in uh, Vegas. Yes, in the Vegas. That's much vagus better than my yeah. joke yeah good jokes everyone yeah hilarious so apparently you can actually stop your hiccups by stimulating the vagus nerve if you do live with a medical professional Yeah. um okay so these are the ridiculous um methods that I found for stopping the hiccups are you ready okay so coughing a shot of vinegar no thanks oh
1: what drinking is?
3: yep no holding your breath fine Making yourself sneeze. not fully sure how you do that unless you have a feather nearby. Um, Do you know how you make yourself sneeze?
2: Watch porn. Why? I can't watch porn without sneezing. I can't pluck my eyebrows without sneezing.
1: Oh, yeah. Or like in a dusty room, I always sneeze. So there are
2: are lots of ways to make yourself sneeze.
3: Well, watch porn whilst giving yourself a do-over, I guess. (laughs) Um, Let a spoonful of sugar slowly dissolve on your tongue. That just sounds like an excuse to have a spoonful of sugar, doesn't it? Eat a spoonful of honey. Tickle the roof of your mouth with a cotton swab. No. Oh, that sounds horrible. Yeah. I'm Hell never doing on, that. on earth! Have you ever tickled the own roof of your mouth with your own tongue? Oh, God, I actually feel very oh. sick. Can we move on yeah. quickly? Yeah. <laughs> stick your fingers <laughs> in your re- stick your fingers in your ear to sim- stimulate the vagus nerve. So I'm going to try that next time. Or sip water. Boring. So basically, yeah. Um, hiccups are mad. Nobody knows why. Um, and you can have it for a long time. If you do have it for a long time, you should go to your doctor because it could be an underlying condition. Oh, or you could just be trying to feed your family. Yeah, you could just be in a hog competition one day. And... You
0: could just be an attention seeker.
3: Yeah, you could just be an absolute bastard. Looking at you, Charles. Yeah.
1: Let's move on to our Women Who Code Mixer. In this week's Women Who Code Mixer, we're looking to the future by investigating how we can use artificial intelligence. So, what is artificial intelligence? If you're not familiar with it, it might sound like what you do when you memorise a smart phrase or an indie film to bring up in certain situations. Like Sideways!
3: Or Catfish and the Bottlemen.
1: And that is a great way to make yourself seem artificially intelligent, but it's
3: actually not the same thing as artificial intelligence. Hang on. um, That child actor. That's him. Yes. There, there
1: was a film called Artificial Intelligence. Sixth
3: Sense. Oh, Haley Joel Osmond. That's him, yeah. yeah. Yes. Was he one of the Osmonds? No. Hmm. okay.
1: So what artificial intelligence actually is, um, is its intelligence exhibited by machines. So an AI device will perceive its environment and take actions that maximises its chance of success at some kind of goal. Oh. Um, colloquially... The term artificial intelligence is applied when a machine mimics cognitive functions that humans associate with other human minds, such as learning and problem solving.
3: Can I ask a question? What about intelligence demonstrated by love machines? What
2: about street smarts? Is my street smarts? Does that count? I have
1: street smarts. Um. Yeah. No. I think they're real intelligence. Yeah, because not thing. machine learning. That's machine programming. Including have- your brain, you are a robot in a flesh suit mm. Caroline. Um, put your flesh suit on we're going out <laughs> so let's have a quick brainstorm then how can we as STEM women harness AI to help us achieve our goals of becoming smart women uh, I'll start us off with one idea I want a robot that can write polite email responses to my lettings agent without having to write something rude first and then delete it thereby wasting time Ah, oh, very good
2: I would like my robot to um, adopt the voice of my mum, call employers and say that
1: I'm really sick. (gasps) Yes, that is good. And then it could, because it's
3: intelligent, it could respond when they're Mm. like, but what's
1: she sick with? Oh, the plague.
3: (laughs) I would like AI um, in some form of app where I could sort of ingratiate it into a whatsapp conversation when some dirty talk is happening so that i don't have to later cringe at what i said or panic at the time Mm. and then i just come back in when they're either on their way over or we've arranged to meet in real life
2: oh very good or actually ai vis-a-vis whatsapp would be really useful because like you know all those groups that you get like fucking added to that are like about essentially one night out two months from now and it's like buzzing with like fucking people you don't care about all day I want AI to like do my responses or like just be like ha 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 ha, good one or whatever or like oh snowman emoji or whatever, whatever is appropriate and then just like send me an email at the end of it giving me like the minutes, like what's important where we're meeting,
3: literally a summary like 8pm, Rose's Thai kitchen
2: yeah, Beak Street so, I can just mute that motherfucker and get out of my
3: life.
1: Yeah. And it could remind you, like, oh, by the way, Jenny made that joke about her
3: brother. Yeah, bring so- up later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yes. Yeah. Ask what she meant. Is her brother okay? Me, 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 me.
1: Yeah. So, I think um, that will enhance our lifestyles as, uh, as smart women. So, I'm pretty confident about our ability to uh, go into the future.
3: Yeah, me too. Hands first. What's that phrase? Feet first. So, feet first. Tits first. Tits first. Tits first. A gym for women.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Caroline, for your lesson this week, you're taking on a listener request uh, from a very kind listener called Scott, who lives in Oregon. Oregon.
3: That which must be hard to live in a
1: tiny jar of spices. Yes.
3: <laughs>
1: hope you're okay, Scott.
3: Maybe you can see out of the window.
1: Anyway, he found a phone somehow or some kind of electronic device and he emailed us with some, frankly, fantastic topics. Um, and the one you're going to take on today, Caroline, I believe, is who was the richest person in history? That is what I'm taking on today. Um, what
2: do you guys think the answer is? I think it's got to be a Rothschild. Hmm, okay, mm, Someone who...
1: Someone who owns oil somehow? Mm,
2: An oily man. Wrong. Oh. Mm. So history's richest person, as is, you know, mostly agreed by historians. And if you Google the question, this is the big, like, Google, like this is the answer. You know when Google's so short it gives you one right. answer yeah. in, in block capitals?
1: With different like currencies and inflation and everything, it's actually really hard to answer.
2: I, I would have thought it would have been harder to answer, but fortunately, one man outstrips them all. Ooh. <gasps> of course it's a man. Yeah, but he's like the best man. Richard Branson. Stanley Tucci. His name was Mansa Musa. Ooh, And he might be the sexiest, coolest, best person from history ever. Is he dead now? He's super dead. Dead to to the extent that um, he died in 1331. Oh, jeez. I know, yeah.
1: That's why I've never heard of him then. He's not on Twitter. Yeah, no,
2: he's not verified yet, unfortunately. Um, But I might set up a fan account. Uh, So that could be a new avenue for me. Mansa Musa News. Yeah, official Mansa Musa. New Stanley. The thing. real Mansa Musa.
3: Yeah. <laughs> we'll have Mansa one eat makes a and Yeah.
2: <laughs> like Mansa Musa is so unbelievably fucking awesome that he could be like a Game of Thrones character that gets killed too soon. That's how good he is. For context, Game of Thrones is a TV show where people get killed a lot. I don't watch Game of Thrones. I think you tell from my
3: startled eyes. You get that as a cultural <laughs> reference
2: though. People uh, die on Game of Thrones. Yeah, no, you oh, yes. dragons. I only
3: know watch Did the throne, the... Historic Kanye West and Jay-Z collaboration course, yeah. album. I think he would have been good on this album. Oh, okay,
2: okay yeah. great. Fine, he fits he's just, a, everywhere. just a big fucking sexy African king, really. Wow, yeah. where's he from? He was from Mali. He was uh, king of the Mali empire. And the Mali Empire was a kind of a huge West African territory. So the Mali Empire, which stretched considerably under his reign, like it used to be just sort of the country of Mali, which even now the territory is completely like way smaller than it used to be. But um, the Mali Empire used to stretch as far as... Senegal, Gambia, Guinea, Burkina, Faso, Mali, Niger, Nigeria, and Chad. So basically all of West Africa is what he spread his entire empire over. By empire, um, do
3: you mean seed and money? Seed and money, yeah. Fine.
2: Sure. And what's really cool about it is that he wasn't like just some eldest son of a king and then just became the king. What happened was is that the former king like put him as his deputy while he went off on this big voyage you know, predictably died on the
1: voyage, and mm. he just, like,
2: became... He was, like, the vice-president.
1: He just became king. Oh, he was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll have yeah. that then. Yeah, and, and the, the king, made like... made it really good.
2: The king had sons, but everyone was like, no, no, Mansa Musa is clearly the guy for the job. Um, and, you know, he, he basically peacefully spreads his empire. Like, it, its it doesn't even seem that he took all these territories by force. It just seemed that, like, he was so unbelievably awesome that everyone was like, well, we're obviously going with this guy. Because... Mali, for one, it was such a huge force to be reckoned with because they had huge reserves of gold and huge reserves of salt, um, which, I mean, two hugely important things, especially salt is about as valuable as gold back then, or more or less, because it's what you use to preserve meat
3: and that oh. makes meat safe to eat and safe to travel with and obviously people are travelling with. And salt makes really bland cooking when you go around T house, girl. Exactly, yeah. of course. Did yeah.
1: Jamie Oliver make Manson Musa rich? Yes, he did, because, cookbooks.
3: yeah,
2: everyone was uh was doing the 15-minute meals back <laughs> then. Mean.
3: Yeah, I bet they bloody were, because, you know, the meat went off after 15 minutes. Yeah, it did. It nothing preserved Unless you
2: had a fuckload of salt, which Mansa Musa had. Ah. ah. So the great thing about um, researching the segment was that, like, it, there's so many kind of annoying racist ideas that, like, annoying people have about, you know... Africa as a continent and people who come from there. Um, and it really reminds you just how many incredible natural resources that Africa as a continent has, especially West Africa. Like, there was so much gold being mined from there, so much salt, that this guy, in his lifetime... Let me put a number on it for you guys.
3: Ooh. If you like it, then you better put a number on it.
2: I do like it because that number was 400 billion.
3: Of pounds?
2: As in if we just did it for you know modern currency, four hundred billion dollars. <gasps> wow! What? Oui. For context, Bill Gates is worth eighty nine point seven billion at last count. Whatever. That's the richest living man. At last count. At last so count. That's at least a couple of more billion by now. Yeah, probably. But like Manson Musa could fucking
3: buy and sell Bill Gates
2: hundreds of times over. Four of them. Four yeah. times <laughs> over. Not hundreds of times over. Four times <laughs> over.
3: Take that with your female education inis- initiative, Melinda. Right, <laughs> showing up your hole. Salt's where you should have been at.
2: Yeah, salt and <laughs> gold, my friends. Yeah, like, and the weird thing about Mansa as well is that like he was like this awesome ruler. Like he was all about like uh, kind of peacefully taking all these territories and stuff. But he was always giving his gold away to everyone all the time. So he was he, the J.K. Rowling of. He totally was. <laughs> he was so rich he just gave it all away. He was totally J.K. Rowling. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so he was this really, really devout Muslim, and he um he had his empire in Timbuktu, so he makes his pilgrimage from Timbuktu to Mecca. It takes like a year, but he brings like like literally camels like, that are stuffed with gold and gold dust and like food and stuff, and like he's just traveling through all these territories and staying for a few weeks because obviously it takes time to reload all the camels in the caravan and like he's like coming into these cities and he's just like a glittering. Like, you know that scene in bloody um, Aladdin, again, we mentioning Aladdin, yeah. where it's like, Prince Ali, fabulous, he, Ali and it's like, I've got all these giraffes and like yeah. gold, like literally, that's how people were, people were so impressed, like so many historians oh, wow. from the time, and bear in mind, this is like the 14th century, there's not a lot of stuff that exists from this time still, there are so many things of being like, and Mansa Musa came through, and it was like a pride parade painted in gold, like it was like just such a spectacle, like even... Like, you can see it from the horizon coming through, this, all this gold coming towards you. And he's just literally giving it to people in the streets. Like, he gives it away so much that he actually topples the economy of Cairo. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what Completely. actual hell.
2: So obviously Egypt, like, massive gold market. Yeah, like they're raking, making it in. Yeah. Really into their gold, love their gold. Biggest gold market in the world. He starts giving gold to peasants just as he sees them. He's like, hello, have a sack of gold. Right. And um, completely. So obviously, because of how the economy works, if yeah. everybody has gold, nobody has gold because it completely loses its value. And Sod's he just, law, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and some, some historians think that this was like his cheeky way of like... Uh, redirecting the power back to Mali Um,
1: but some people are like no he was just Robin
2: Hood he just like he was doing this religious pilgrimage he was super Muslim like charity is a big part of their religion and he's like "Yeah, everyone have it all so you can take that either way
3: really What a lovely
2: man. Lovely, lovely man. And he was like at the forefront of art and culture and medicine and literature and everything. And so he built all these mosques, all these libraries, all these like huge cultural institutions, loads of universities. Some of them still like, some mosques still exist today. And this is like in the 14th century. Wow. And like during that time, so many cities, it becomes like such a huge urban area in his entire empire. And it just like has this complete golden age during his, like, lit- a literal golden age because everything is fucking coated in gold.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask, um, how do we know how rich he was? But I guess there's just trails of gold and everyone would yeah. have written about it. Or well, like, apparently,
2: like, even know, that Cairo trip alone, and that's, like, kind of the most famous example of, like, his, his wealth because there were so many... Um, because back then, sort of Mediterranean scholars and... Europeans didn't really go further than Egypt. That yeah. was as far into Africa as they really went. Right. And so there was lots of people who were just, like, obsessed with this, like, Cairo thing and how it destabilised the economy for, like, a decade. And even on that point, like, he made Europeans have to consider Africa for the first time in a in a real way. Like, there was this um, Catalan Atlas that they drew up during that time, which became, like, the, the world map of that era. And, uh it kind of like before they didn't really show Africa but they actually just have a big drawing of him and it's amazing because like they've got this big map and you know it's your classic map illustrations of like oh over here is a man with a white beard there's a serpent in this sea yeah for for, for some reason (laughs) and then like then in just the bottom of it you just get this like glorious black guy with the big gold scepter and a big gold crown and you're like go on Mansa Musa you fucking show (laughs) them so, like, he made them, like, have to consider Africa because he was just such a force to be reckoned with.
3: Do you reckon it was just, like, in his palace, like, oh, Mansa, do you mind passing me a hobnob? Oh, what? You've covered it in gold? I just want, I just want a normal, plain hobnob. I'm sick of eating gold. Eat it.
2: Be grateful for your golden hobnob. Yeah. What, what do
3: you say? Thank you for my golden hobnob, which will become a golden poo. <laughs> what, well, good. Yeah. I'm glad he was a good guy. He was a fucking class guy,
2: yeah. So, Scott, that was Mansa Musa was the history's richest person.
1: Yeah, thank you for your email, Scott. Um, If you also would like to submit a question to the School for Dumb Women, you can email us at dumbwomenpod at gmail.com or tweet us at dumbwomenpod or Instagram message us if you really want to. At dumbwomenpod. At (laughs) dumbwomenpod. So we've learnt about how stamps shut down pirate radio, how hiccuping is just attention seeking, and how the richest person uh, was flipping awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's time now then for our smart lesson. Yay. Now, a lot of women write to us every week and tell us they don't feel worthy of their own lives, or at least they would do, but they don't think they're good enough to write an email, so we have to assume this is how they feel and tell them how to overcome it. So, ladies, there is a word for this, actually. It's called imposter syndrome. Have you mm. heard of that before? Oh, I think yeah. I have. I had to I... call my bank about it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit.
3: Yeah. I think I did have it, but then I got some cream for it, and then I was fine. Uh-huh. Oh, that's good, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, in this week's Smart Lesson, we're going to set out how to deal with imposter syndrome. Um And step one, of course, uh, lay out some traps if you can, if you know in advance that the imposter might come in. I see. Mm. Do a home alone, you know, put a bucket of paint on the door frame, Mm. things like that. Got it. Um, Always quite useful marbles on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Also,
3: I would say put your electricals near the door because then the imposter might step on them. And I mean, let's be honest, even if they don't step on them, you can claim those back on insurance. Yeah, that is
2: a good idea. Thanks. Thanks. Or you could lock yourself in a safe room, or your husband's study, or your son's astrology tower, and you could just stay in there until the threat passes. And you can, you know, touch up your makeup while you're in there. Too. Yeah, yeah, that's true, the bathroom.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there's a mirror in there.
1: Yeah, dear Lippy. And then also, the prettier you are, the more news coverage you'll get. Obviously, if something does happen to you, that is true. That is a mm. uh, universal law. Yeah,
2: might as well go blonde now, just in case. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I know when I'm at home alone in the flat, even when I've locked all the doors, I always feel like there could be mm. there could be an imposter in there. That's when I doubt comes in, it is. isn't it? That's yeah. when, like, doubt... But the thing is, I think everyone has that. Yeah. I think everyone has imposter syndrome.
3: And so, therefore, by default, we're all on an even keel.
1: Yeah, even yeah. your cool boss from work who's got, you know, to the top of the pile will go home and uh, hear noises in her flat and have imposter syndrome. She will, yeah. She'll sit in
2: her flat and uh, she'll be alone with a huge glass of wine in, in near darkness and she'll hear some steps outside and think, oh God, is, is someone coming into my home? Yeah. And then she'll think, no, those steps are in my head and that's me telling myself that I'm not good enough and I'm a filthy slag.
3: Oh. Yeah. And just remember, for any filthy slags out there, we're all filthy slags on some level. Yeah, we're okay. all
1: we're all disgusting and gross. We're all with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if that's not female solidarity, I don't know what is. Well, exactly, Hannah. Feeling very feminist right now.
3: Mm. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, that's all for this week. Thank you to the blue Helly Hansen fleece that I wore for an entire year, uh, goggles, the pony that Caroline wouldn't stop brushing, and protein powder for making Alex's crush what he is today. Thanks also to Harry Harris for the jingles Gavin Day who talks and Soho Radio Studio for their sweaty little hot room Thanks also to you lot for listening Remember that there are now literal hours of us talking on the internet So feel free to go back and listen to previous episodes or recommend them to a friend Otherwise they'll just sit there doing nothing Like Bing Bong from Inside Out We all know how that ended He died, fucking died Spoiler See you next Tuesday uh-huh.
0: <laughs> oh, well, was the first time we've done that